You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Our next in line, next position, moving over to uh, not the the not hot corner, first base. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know where I was going with that. Heading over to first base, taking a look at the five greatest first basemen in Detroit Tigers history. Now, this one uh, at the top is another fairly obvious one. Well, one and two are fairly obvious. The order is is often debated, to be honest with you. Uh, but the top two are, are fairly obvious. I think three is also fairly obvious, but I think uh, he is a pretty clear step down from the top two. And then four and five are, uh, are a, there's a plethora, I would say. Plethora, I like that word, a plethora of people that could be in there at the five spot. So, we're going to kick it off. And we're going to start off with a bang. Number five, the father of my generation's big fella, Cecil Fielder. Going to come in as the fifth best Tigers first baseman of all time. Now, Cecil Fielder was a dog, man. <laughs> Cecil Fielder is one of those guys that... Um, I very much wish that I was around to see play, uh, played for the Tigers from 1990 to 1995 and retired from baseball the year I was born in 1998. So, um, I, very much somebody that I often wish I was able to watch, uh, the, the, the folklore, like the, the lore around him is, is so large and, and like bigger than life and, I mean, he was the Tigers in the '90s. Like he, he that it was Cecil Fielder, and that was it. <laughs> the '90s was not a particularly great era of Tigers baseball, especially the late '90s. I mean, Cecil was gone by by uh, by '96, so really not a a especially the end of the '90s. But really, the whole the '90s as a whole was not a not a great era of Tigers baseball, um, and you know you still just had it really it was it was just Cecil Fielder and then kind of the remaining pieces that were still around from the '84 team, the few that were left, the the Lou, you know Lou and Tram were still up the middle, and then Cecil Fielder, and that was kind of it. Um, and then yeah, like I said, you get into the late '90s, you start getting into some some pretty dark times in uh, in Tigers history, right? Uh, before you get into the early 2000s, which were even darker. And then uh, a little bit of an uptick there when Dabrowski takes over. But regardless, Cecil Fielder, fifth best first baseman in Tigers history. I mean, the the king, right? The dog, hitting hitting balls on the roof, hitting, hitting walk-offs, whatever. He, he, he was the man. Um, his 1990 season specifically, is unbelievable, and we'll, we'll get into the 1990 season last. But e- even the rest of them were were like he was a productive hitter from 90 until 94. It wasn't really until 1995 when the decline really hit him heavy. But I mean, he was a he was a 
plus bat his entire career, really. I mean, even in 95, when he hit the, the offensive numbers, took a big step back, his, his WRC plus was still 108, right? So, like, even, even with, uh, for his standards, a, a pretty substantial drop-off, you, you still have a, a, a dude that was above league average and in, in weighted runs created. So, uh, a, a, the dog, right? I mean, the, the, the big fella, Cecil Fielder. I, man, I, I love Cecil Fielder. The whole Fielder family, when Prince came here, that was an awesome thing. Uh, him and his son retiring with the same amount of homers, even though Prince... Uh, having to retire early due to an injury, it's kind of bittersweet, but still kind of a cool thing. Um, and, and I mean, this was you know, there, there, Prince Fielder was taking batting practice at Old Tiger Stadium, right, and hitting home runs in, in Tiger Stadium at 12 years old. Like that was, I don't know, just uh, uh apart from Cecil Fielder being a phenomenal hitter for pretty much his entire tenure with the Tigers. Also, just the the again, just the lore around him, just the fact that he he was the Tigers of the '90s. Like it, 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 he's the first person that comes to everybody's mind when you think of uh, 1990s Detroit Tiger baseball. Everybody, no matter how old you are, so that that obviously has has a big thing to do with it, kind of defining an era, even if it wasn't such a great era. But I, I mean, 51 homers in 1990, 44 homers in 91, 35, 30, and 28. And then even 31 homers still in 1995 in a season that I, I told you was a, a relative drop-off in comparison uh, to the rest of his numbers prior. But 1990 was was the season. That was he he almost had a 600 slugging percentage, <laughs> a 592 slug, a 377 on base percentage, a 277 batting average, which is good enough for a 970, just one under 969 OPS in 1990 with 51 home runs and 132. RBIs, a six and a half war. He was a negative defender at first base, uh, but was still putting up <laughs> well over six war season um, because of how in- insane he was at the plate that year. At, at 26 years old, over 100 runs scored for whatever that's worth. Um, and, and, you know, a th- like he had a 314 isolated slugging percentage in 1990. Like that, I mean, that's ignorant. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's messed up. That's just, that, that, that shouldn't be a thing. But uh, obviously 51 home runs will help you do that. 27% K percentage and a 13.4 walk percentage. Uh, retire with 319 home runs over a thousand RBIs, a 255 average, um, but a 482 career slugging percentage uh, an 827 career OPS remarkable uh, only had one full season his entire career with a sub 100 WRC plus I mean uh, the dude was a hitter he was a machine and Cecil Fielder will will always be a very pl- prevalent even if it is just a blip a, a very prevalent part of the history, the long history of the Detroit Tigers, that decade of the 90s will, will always be remembered as uh, when, when Prince Fielder came to town, when Ce- Cecil Fielder came to town, rather. 
Um, if I, I, I might have said Prince a couple of times in this, honestly. Whatever. You you know what I'm talking about. Um, so he comes in at five. Very. Uh, there's actually I, my Twitter header, actually, is uh, was, was taken in the 90s, and it's Steve Eiserman, Joe Dumars, Cecil Fielder, and Barry Sanders all standing on the third baseline together like hanging out looking at baseball bats and stuff just like chatting in uh, in old tiger stadium it's one of my favorite photos ever I, I, it's, it's obviously my twitter header like i said um so cecil fielder will always always be a big part of the history of the tigers and that's why he comes in as the fifth best first baseman in tigers history now coming in at four we have rudy york Rudy York is interesting to me because he falls through the cracks of Tiger's history uh, because he was the predecessor, no, successor, sorry. Uh, He was the first baseman right after Hank Greenberg. An impossible task to live up to, Hank Greenberg, right? He will, for uh, spoiler alert, Hank Greenberg is going to be really high on this list. Um... So it uh, truly an impossible task for anybody to come in and be the successor to him. Um, but Rudy York could ball, man. Like Rudy Rudy York was a hitter, and he he did a great job. And and there was even a couple of seasons in there when uh, when both of them were back, and Hank was uh, not fighting in the war and all that. Uh, that. They both were playing where Rudy actually would would be the outright first baseman, and that's when Hank got a little bit of action in the outfield. But primarily, for almost all of his career, primarily for both of their careers, I should say, they were both significant majority first basemen. Just for the few years that they actually did play together, they had to move some stuff around. So Rudy York got a couple of games when he was really young, like 19, 20, 21, 22 at catcher. Uh, played a couple of, uh, like one season, played a lot of games at third. Uh, he he kind of had to shuffle around a little bit because Hank Greenberg was Hank Greenberg. Um, but there there was a period of slight overlapping there, and, and their careers actually did Oh, uh, overlap quite a bit, but Rudy was the first baseman right after Hank Greenberg was no longer the first baseman, and I, I think that he doesn't get the the really any credit. I'm I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this who don't even know who Rudy York is, and that's because of that. Uh, I mean, Rudy <laughs> Rudy was was quite literally. Uh, played 155 games and the starter for the 1945 team that won the World Series, uh, and and had a had a not his best career year. Had plenty of better years before that, but regardless, was one of the key pieces in that era of teams, and and he just kind of falls through the craft cracks because uh, he you know Hank Greenberg and rightfully rightfully so to Hank. No disrespect. That's. That's one of the greatest to ever do it. So we will get into the rest of the uh, the players and the rest of the of Rudy York specifically after I tell y'all about Built Bar. It's the holiday season. Grab the protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. That is Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, 
net carbs, and fat, but also being high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. You'll have the hard time choosing. Well, you choose raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie. There's so many choices. Built Bar also gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle holiday shoppers. We're in the thick of holiday season, last second Christmas shopping, and you're going to need a Built Bar to help you get through those mall rushes. So because it's the season of peace and love, don't bring up Built Bar flavors at family parties. People are really passionate about it, and things might get out of hand. Are you friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw in a few Built Bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they'd make anybody's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your, dip your Built Bar in a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little. Give your beverage a little bit of that Built Bar flavor, plus you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Just make sure you have a couple napkins on hand. Like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays? Well, you need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. They taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off of your order. All right, everybody, we are back here for segment two of Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Let's finish up Rudy York here before we crack into the top three. Um, he, he, I mean, r- like Rudy could hit, man. Like, <laughs> like if you don't know, now you know. You know what I mean? Like, like Rudy York was a was a dog um, in his first full season in the majors. Right, was twenty three years old in nineteen thirty seven. His first full season, hundred and four games, thirty five homers. 104 games, 35 homers in the 30s at 23 years old. Had a 144 WRC plus and put up a 3.7 WAR, a 6.51 slugging percentage, because he only played in 104 games but had 35 bombs. That was his career high in homers, by the way, at, at 23 in 100 games. Absolute menace. I love it. Uh, 1938 had 33 homers. He retired with 277 uh, bombs. 35, 33, 20, 33, 27, 21, 34, and then the high teens pretty much to finish out his career his last five years after that. I mean, he, he, he was a hitter, a 275 average, along with those home run no, numbers, over 1,100 RBIs. Uh, his, his walk percentage was 11.8. His strikeout percentage was 12.9. Can't get too much better than that. Um, he, he was, he was a hitter, man. And he, he wasn't the, the, the greatest defender you've ever seen. Not, not known for the glove specifically, but he wasn't a, you know, horrid defender. Oh my goodness. Why are you out there? And, and the dude could hit. So, uh, it, he, he was given the impossible task of being the first baseman right after Hank Greenberg. And, uh, at, even though you can't possibly, be expected to be Hank Greenberg. He he was he was Rudy York, and Rudy York was pretty damn good, I'd say. So he's going to come in at number four, thirty nine career WAR for Rudy York, and that's four on the list. So that tells you some of the good Tigers first baseman we have had in the history of this franchise. Number three, cracking into that top three, baby, Norm Cash, Stormin Norman, coming in at. Number three, uh, a Tiger through and through, man. Uh, played for the White Sox for his first two seasons 
in uh, 58 and 59, and then was a Tiger from 60 to 74. Retired at 39 years old. Uh, had a career war of 54.6. That's not just really good. That's like borderline Hall of Fame. Like that. That is that is really that's like a Hall of Fame argument. I'm not saying that that Norm Cash not being in is some you know highway robbery, the level of New, Lou Whitaker, uh, which which is absolutely blasphemy that he is not in the Hall of Fame and is one of the biggest wrongs in all the sports, in my opinion. Um, but Norm Cash, man, that that's a respectable career. That that's 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 like a conversation for Hall of Fame for sure, without a doubt. Uh, 377 career home runs, power hitter through and through, baby. You look at some of these home run totals, 41, 39, 26, 23, 30, 32, 22, 25, 22, 32. I mean, he, he <laughs> and all that with a 271 batting average, Norm, Norm Cash was the dog. Um, he, one of the most beloved teammates of anybody on that 68 team as well. You go look up the accounts of anybody who, who played for that era and, and their opinions of Norm Cash are, are through the roof. One of the, the, what is, who is widely considered to be one of the, one of the better teammates in, uh, in Tiger's history as well, um, 13.2 career walk percentage to a 13.8 career strikeout percentage. Pretty damn good. 271 career average, 374 career on base percentage, and a 488 career OPS. That's an, sorry, slugging. That's an 862 career OPS. His 1961 season, he had an 1148 OPS. That is unbelievable he had a 10.2 war in 1961 a did everyone hear me a 10.2 war in 1961 for norm cash from a first baseman miguel cabrera's triple crown year and the year after that with his back-to-back mvps he uh, Love Mickey to death, and he's clearly higher than Norm on this list because he hasn't been said yet. But my Miguel Cabrera never really even flirted with a 10-war season. A 10-2 war for Norm Cash. And what did that get him in 1961? Fourth place for American League MVP. He had 41 homers, an 1148 OPS, which led all of baseball, a 487 on base percentage, which led all of baseball, a 361 batting average, which led all of baseball, 193 hits, which led all of baseball. And that got him good enough for fourth in AL MVP because Mickey Mantle put up one of the most ridiculous seasons in the history of baseball, and Roger Maris hit 61 home runs. So he won MVP. Uh, it's actually kind of remarkable that Mickey Mantle had such a good season that even in the 60s when there were, weren't all of these advanced stats and people only looked at batting average RBIs and home runs, uh, that that Mickey was able to almost beat Roger Maris the same year he had uh, the 61 home runs. But regardless, the fact that Norm Cash is fourth is pretty insulting. Uh, Jim Gentile for the O's, you know, all the respect in the world, but there is absolutely zero case 
for him to have finished higher in the MVP voting than Norm Cash. Norm Cash did get one first place vote, I guess. So uh, shout out to whoever that writer was that voted for uh, for Norm Cash in, uh, in 1961. But uh, just an unbelievable career, an unbelievable uh, clubhouse person. Glad he was able to be on that team in, uh, in, in 68 to get a ring. 54.6 career war, man. I mean, these war totals are no joke. Even even getting rid of the 10-war season he had in 61, I mean, they're all 4.3, 4.4, 3, 5, 4, 4, 3.5, 3, 2.5, 4, 1.5, 2, and then retirement. So, like, just a whole career of being a damn solid hitter at the plate. Um, another guy that wasn't necessarily known for the glove, but you're a first baseman, man. Who even really cares? <laughs> Go up there and hit. And Norm Cash sure as hell knew how to hit. All right, we're going to get into our top two after this. Pretty pretty obvious who the top two are going to be. But first, got to tell you all about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. But online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, we are back here for our third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. We are going to get into the top two first basemen in Tigers history. So coming in at number two, everybody knows who this is going to be. Do you know the order? Everybody knows who it's going to be, though. Coming in at number two, the great Hank Greenberg, our number two first baseman in the history of the Detroit Tigers. Hank, I mean, what what really is there to say? He is one of the greatest hitters in the history of this beautiful sport. Uh, will will always be one of the greatest hitters in the history of this sport. No matter how far baseball advances, no matter what the future of baseball holds, no matter what rules are changed and and playoffs and and mound size and distance and how fast people throw balls in the future and everything. It, it Hank Greenberg will will never fall through the cracks of baseball history. Always and forever will be one of the immorals, especially in Detroit Tigers history, but really in all of baseball history. Such a prominent figure in the Jewish community too, which is awesome. Uh, one of especially in the uh, era he played in, I guess you would say, just with the war and and everything going on, just uh, you know fighting. In said, in said war, I mean, everything about Hank Greenberg is is kind of bigger than life, and uh, he's he's remarkable, he's unbelievable. So, looking at these stats, three hundred thirty one career home runs, uh, career that was cut, and and uh, in in right in what would have been his prime, right? I mean, right there, right there, just cut in in the could, like. Could you imagine what 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 four more seasons of Hank Greenberg what his stats could have looked like 
I mean, he, he played in 19 games in 1941, didn't come back until 1945. And then in 1945, in 78 games, <laughs> had a 311 average, a 404 on base percentage, and a 554 slugging percentage. Fresh back home, don't matter. At 34 years old, hasn't seen professional hitting since he was 30. Unbelievable. And then, and like, the crazy thing about Hank Greenberg is, like, at, well, there's so many things, honestly. This is definitely not the craziest thing. But one of the wildest things is the fact that in 1947, his last season, he, he's sadly not a lifelong Tiger because he played one year in Pittsburgh at the end of his career. But in 1947, at 36 years old, he had 25 homers and had almost a 900 OPS and an 885 OPS with 25 homers and 125 games in uh, in 1947 at 36 had a 3.2 war his last season like very very much could have kept playing and the fact that he has these fantastic numbers like I said 331 homers 1276 RBIs a 313 career average a 412 career on base percentage and a 605 career slugging percentages career slugging percentages over 600 a career 154 WRC plus never even came close to having a sub 100 WRC plus his entire career his lowest was 118 his next lowest after that was 124 and his third lowest <laughs> after that was 133. Most of these are in the 150s. Thus, his 154 career WRC plus 61.1 career war, uh, a 7.6 war in 1935 when they won their the Tigers finally won their first World Series. 36 home runs, 170 RBIs. Uh, a career 14% walk percentage and 13.8 K percentage. I mean, everything about him is absolutely remarkable. But the RBIs is is that I might feel comfortable saying that is the craziest part about Hank Greenberg. He had 87 in 117 games at 22 years old, and then after that it was 139, 170, 183. 146, 112, 150, then war, and then 127 is last year in Detroit. It just You want to talk about an RBI machine. I know we talk about and I talk about how RBIs aren't a great stat for measuring how talented a player is these days. There's no ignoring 183 RBIs. That is impossible to overlook and be like, yeah, that doesn't matter. That That is preposterous uh, a well over an eight war season well over a seven war season several well over seven war seasons. I mean like look like at 35 years old his last year in Detroit at a 7.2 war and then he retires after the next season like it's just uh, Hank Greenberg was the man and uh, pre- pretty easy choice for number two I think he is comfortably uh, be- better than everyone below him and that leads us to the only person he is not comfortably better than and that is the big fella, one of the other big fellas, uh, Miguel Cabrera, currently still a Detroit Tiger, 70.3 career war. Also, all these war numbers are via fan graphs. I like fan graphs war a lot better um, than 
baseball reference war. Some of it depends on positional adjustments. Some of it doesn't. Uh, or Some positions I like certain wars better than other positions, but for the most part, I like Fangraphs a lot better. Um, and at first base especially, I definitely like Fangraphs a lot better. Um, so that is just clearing the air there. That's a whole thing for a different day. But Miguel Cabrera. Not not too much to say. This is probably going to be pretty short, even though like he deserves a, a lot more than I'm going to give him. It's just like everybody knows Miguel Cabrera. I mean, the the war numbers are are absolutely everything. Just everything about him, man. It's Miggy, the the pillar of Detroit Tigers baseball for the last almost 15 years now. Um, he will will forever be one of the greatest Tigers to ever put on an old English D and ever play in the city of Detroit. Um, I mean, the 5-1 war, 6-1, That is a hell of a stretch, especially for a first baseman. So you already get hit by the positional adjustments by being a first baseman. He was not a good defender at first base either. He is a pretty significant negative defender in his career, if you were not aware. Miguel Cabrera, for for as athletic and and goofy and kind of funny he was in his prime for for being a first baseman, um, not not an actually very uh, efficient, I guess we will say, for a career negative 37 defensive run saved at first base. Um, and at, at his peak, he was like a zero or negative one. So a, a minus defender, his, his entire career, but still pulling out 70 war because that's how good of a hitter he is, man. That's, that's Miggy. The home run totals speak for themselves. 502 in his career, uh, closing in on, on being one of the, some of the highest home run totals in the history of, of just Detroit Tigers. We've talked about a lot of the other people on that list. We haven't gotten to number one yet. Uh, he he will be honestly probably one of the last ones if I go in order of, uh, of around, around the diamond. Um, but but closing in on some of those other ones we talked about. Norm Cash earlier. Norm Cash is up there. Hank Greenberg obviously in there. Uh, so he's he's closing in on those totals. Miggy is uh, will forever be so many people's childhoods and and will for forever be. The, the beacon and the just blaring bright spot, him and Verlander, will be the two pinnacles for this era of Tigers baseball of the 2010s and, uh, and the late 2000s. So, Miggy coming in as your best first baseman in the history of the Detroit Tigers. Some honorable mentions here before I send y'all on your way. Uh, Lou Blue, absolutely. Deserve some flowers there for those who don't know Lou. Man, you, you should find out about Lou. Lou was the uh, first baseman in the 20s, kind of during the end of the Ty Cobb era. Uh, there's so many fun first basemen. You know what I mean? Like maybe not too many people else that does not, that wasn't English. Not too many other people that deserve to be uh, past anybody in my top five. I'm, I'm pretty confident and comfortable with the five I have in that order actually I'm uh, probably not going to be too much more certain about a entire top five as I am about first baseman 
Um, but so many fun first basemen. I mean, Tony Clark, Jason Thompson. Fun fact, a middle school Scott Bentley actually got uh, hitting instruction from Jason Thompson. Uh, it's been, geez, I was in middle school... Oh my goodness, I'm I'm getting a I'm getting a little old. I was in middle school over a decade ago, so it's been a while. Uh, but I still have some pictures from it. I got a I got a like a one on one one some raffle and uh, got a one on one hitting instruction and like batting cage work with Jason Thompson. Kind of cool. Uh, Dale Alexander, Prince Fielder, obviously deserves some some flowers as well. We talked about his dad, but he he deserves some some credit there too. Uh, and, and I'm going to end on the orange crush himself. Uh, the man with maybe the greatest first two weeks to start off a season in the history of major league baseball, Chris Shelton, baby. Well, will always be a big part of my childhood. All right. That is going to do it for this episode. Second baseman tomorrow. And thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen today, Locked On Bets, your one-stop daily shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Serling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for rocking with me. Uh, feel free to argue about these. Uh, we I had a couple of people reach out for the catchers one. Um, the the fir- again the first base one I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable and confident in it I'm I'm pretty 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 set with that second base is going to be a trip man the Tigers have had a lot of pretty damn good second basemen so that's going to be a really fun one for tomorrow uh, same time same place baby we'll be here peace and love going to therapy's dope I'll catch you on tomorrow baby go Tigers.